You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Welcome back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. This is the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I'd like to remind our viewers that you can submit uh, questions at any time during the show, and we will get to them toward the end. Today, I'd like to get to our guest. We've got a very special guest, former Colgate Raider, Golden State Warrior, uh, current writer. We have got Adonal Foyle here with us today. Thank you for having me, man. Of course. Thank you for joining us. How are you, man? How's quarantine treating you? Oh, man, I have been trying to walk out, climb the house, <laughs> become a farmer. Uh, I've been reading a lot. It's been it's been surreal. This is not normal. So right. it's been difficult. But uh, like everybody else, been trying to figure out ways to to be innovative at home. Right. I, I mentioned you did some writing. You wrote a piece today called An Open Letter to My Fellow NBA Players. You published that today on LinkedIn. Now, it was a good piece. What inspired you to, to write that? You know, I just thought that, you know, the, the climate that we're in, I thought the players has, has done such an amazing job of bringing very vital issues uh, mm. to, to, this, to the stage to really have important conversation. And we've been having those conversations. And uh, a lot of our players in the bubble have been leaning into those conversations. Guys outside of the bubble have been doing that. And I, I just thought that this is really just a slam dunk, you know, making sure that, you know, coming out of the, the, the election, you hear like everybody in the NBA that can vote, voted. I think right. that is a great narrative. And I, right. I just thought that this is really an easy play that we could that we can finish at the basket. And there's no reason not to do it. There's no reason to just leave that open so somebody can criticize us uh, for things mm -hmm. that we have done really well. And I, I just right. thought the way the players have been acting has been really inspirational to a lot of people. And now we just have to follow through and, and go get that dunk. Now, I saw you, there was a very, it was a shocking number to me, uh, the number of eligible NBA players that voted last time. What was that? Can you tell me that number? Yeah, so they were saying something around 21%. And, wow. you know, I think I think so much of how the league is played is like guys go into areas that they're not from and, right. and they're, they're going into a basketball bubble. So they're not really in the community as much because they're coming into that. And in some cases, guys are moving back and forth to different teams. Mm -hmm. So I just thought that, you know, this year. Uh, with everything that is going on, it's very important to just focus in on that because I think in the 2016, there's a lot of things been going on, but I think now Definitely. you had an you had a, an opportunity to see and to really understand how important this is and to really model behavior uh, for the rest of people that follow that follow professional athletes. Now that you said 21 percent, what's a like what's a realistic number? Because 21 percent that that is right. it, it's staggering uh, for the numbers. Right. I mean, for the reasons you mentioned, but what's a realistic goal for that? 
I think the realistic goal will be everybody who can. I mean, we have a lot of international players that are not residents here, right. that are residents but may not be citizens or, right. are entitled to vote. So I got to go back and look at the numbers and see, you know, you know how many people actually uh, are able to vote and how many people can't because of uh, where they're from and, and not right. being American citizens. And I, I think that number is going to change. I, I think that guys understand how important this is. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Let me ask, why is uh, voting, why is it such an important issue to you? You know, I think when you look at the history of this country and you look at a person like John Lewis that we lost, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, this year, I mean, we've seen so many sacrifices for the right to vote. It is the very thing that I think differentiate our democracy from every other democracy. When you look at what's happening uh, across the world, what makes the United States so special is that it gives its citizens the opportunity to determine who lead them. So there is nothing more important in a democracy than having people being able to effectively participate in that democracy and really to not have barriers that prevents them from doing so. And what Mm -hmm. we've seen in this country, you know, for many, many years is that there has been barriers for people to really exercise what is the essential right Right. of being an American citizen. Yeah, definitely. You get into, you know, a lot of the voter suppression things that have been going on for a long time uh, and unfortunately are still going on. Right. Even more so. And I, and, I, yeah. and I think that that's why we have to, you know, it's so important when players are educating the constituencies and educating the people that come to the game and watch the games, uh, the importance of voting is so essential because some mm-hmm. people feel like, you know, change is so slow, things doesn't happen, politicians is not responsive to them. Right. But I will say that there's a lot of work for you know, us as citizens need to do in order to ensure that we have a vibrant democracy. And that is, we have to understand that we have to convince people of the path forward, right? But right. regardless of anything else, the most essential thing you have to do first is show up. The people who show up is the people who get to determine, um, you know, policies and get to determine the shape, uh, the shape of the debate to, to really determine the ground in which the fight mm-hmm. happens. Right. So what you see with people in the street, you know, racial issue has become uh, in the forefront. And it's because the citizens are saying this is important. We don't like what is happening and we want systematic change to ensure that our black brothers that are unarmed doesn't get killed. Black brothers and sisters that are unarmed that don't get killed when they have interactions with cops. So you can see how important democracy is in driving not only the debate, but then to to really end that by then going into the polls and making sure that your voices are heard. Mm. Is this something you've always been passionate about or since you came to this country, you mentioned like the international players? Yeah, you know, I've been, uh, you know, I came to this country in 1990 and, you know, I started Democracy Matters, really a a foundation that really empowered the next generation of young leaders. We have been in college campuses all over the country for many, many years. I started this uh, Democracy Matters when I was in the league because I felt that it was important that one of the the crises that this country faces is the proliferation of money in politics, you know, Mm. to get it a little bit. So if you think everything you think about as a citizen that is important, the question is, you know, whether or not you have an opportunity to voice that concern in the electoral in the electoral system. But if money becomes the determinant of what of what gets discussed, right? If mm-hmm. you have to go and pay five thousand dollars to go speak to a politician. To even get heard, yeah. 
get heard, right? Yeah. None of the conversation you care about because you don't have that money. So I think it's very important that we look at our system and really try to change it. And I've been doing that my entire life, you know, coming from an island where we have 120,000 people, you know, the three or four people who didn't vote <laughs> in an election. Right. Right. It's always been something that is part of, you know, my DNA and something that I think is is vital to any thriving democracy and to any democracy in general. Hmm. How do you think like we talked about some about how the players and what the players can do? How do you think the NBA as a whole is doing concerning like the message, like the messaging on the court, some of the commercials, the votes, the the Black Lives Matter, some of that, uh, those initiatives? How do you think they're doing as a league? I think it's been it's been really spot on. I thought we have been on the ball and really uh, turned this conversation, really make people aware of some of the challenges faced, uh, you know, by athletes. And and I think mm-hmm. what's really important to understand is that I think in the past when athletes uh, go to the NBA, they tend to kind of move away from the communities. Uh, But I think uh, in recent years, what the internet has been able to do is that there is still that connection. There's still that lifeblood. So you never really leave your city anymore, right? Right. Connected to it. What you see what LeBron has been doing, you know, going into those communities and really giving kids opportunities. And and there's many, many players across the league Mm -hmm. for many, many years that have been doing this stuff. But I think we're at a a moment now where the lights are on. And I think we, we really Really step up to the plate and we're doing a, an amazing job of bringing much needed awareness to issues that really affect our communities mm-hmm. now have you been keeping up with the basketball in the bubble i know you cover the uh the warriors but are you still watching like the the playoffs and the finals yeah, you know, I've been doing some uh, post-game uh, analysts with, uh, analysis with uh, ABC, a uh, local channel here. So that's been a lot of fun, really uh, uh, looking at what LeBron has been doing and, and, and Miami rise in the East. Uh, it's been phenomenal to watch basketball. Uh, you know, many of us didn't know how this was going to happen and how it was going right. to You and me and- both, yeah. Exactly. And I think yeah. now we're talking about, man, this is this has been really some high quality basketball. You know, obviously we want our fans back. Right. But in light of what you know has been happening, being able to do it in this way, in such a safe way and, and protecting our players and the people that support them and not having any covert positive tests in the bubble. Mm-hmm. I just think it's been a testament to how the league has conducted itself. And I think now we have an opportunity to help be uh, part, uh, be one of the leagues that really shape how we move forward in the future and how we engage our players with the communities i see your uh your warrior stuff and you mentioned doing some uh, stuff for the warriors what do you think they have to do like to get back because normally you know any other right. year the warriors they're in this bubble too right. probably playing in the final so what do you think they have to do I think the Warriors is in a unique situation because I think part of uh, the thing is they just need to get healthy. I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, Steve Kerr said as much. So they're going to get healthy and then they're going to have they have some interesting decisions. When I look at the West and you look at AD and you look at the way LeBron is playing, he's playing like a like a power forward or center. You look at Dwight's play. Right. So I think big men is going to be a critical part. I think you're going to have a reintegration of the of the the importance of the big men to mm. swat shots, rebound, set great kicks, and you know, dunk the ball 50% of the time. It is amazing in, in the finals and, and when things get tough, getting layups and getting easy shot yeah, yeah. is a big deal, right? Definitely. So I think you're gonna see the Warriors say, okay, you know, we have the second pick. What do we do with that? Do we trade? I thought that uh, Andre Godala being part of that team was very helpful as a veteran. Definitely. 
out and find another veteran? Do they take the pick that they come that is coming in, or do they trade it for more established big men? So I mm-hmm. I think they have a plethora of luxuries here because right. they get that they get the time to get the players healthy, and they have some good picks, and now they have the the, the board is set where they can make decisions. I think they're going to be okay. I think Steph and Clay is going to be just as good as they were, and now they have to bring in other pieces that can make it a little bit easier. Now, so it's going to be unmerciful, by the way. I was going to say, there's, it's going to be 10, 12 teams that legit <laughs> want to make the play and think they like have a good chance at it. Yes, indeed. No, the West is going to be a crazy place to play. I mean, you look at Portland, they're feeling like, okay, mm-hmm. you know, we kind of understand what's going on. The Clippers are going to have to regroup. Mm-hmm. You know, Dallas is coming in thinking we're right there. Yeah, you bad. know, so, I mean. And Denver. You, uh, Denver. Denver is thinking, you know, Every year we're getting better. We're getting the experience we need. We're not afraid anymore. Mm. Some of our players are becoming superstars. I see a lot of these teams kind of where the Warriors was in that first run. Right. And they're, they're there now. And the question becomes, how do you continue to improve to the next level? Mm. Now, uh, a smile came over your face. You were talking about some of the, the bigs coming back into the game. I know. Is that something? I was going to say, is that something you love? This, like we got Anthony Davis, uh, Jokic, Bam at a bye. Like it's, it's a number. Oh, Embiid. Uh, <laughs> You you gotta love that, yeah, man. I, you know, you, the league is kind of like a pendulum league in a, in a right. way, right? So sometimes the player move the pendulum. Like no one will argue that Shaq and David Robinson, all the old guys, that it wasn't that the the teams wanted to shoot threes. Is that those guys were really effective, right. you know, and, and doing what they do. So you have to find ways to use them in the system. And I thought we got away from that a little bit, but I think mm-hmm. part of it is is the quality and the amount of big men that that we draft into the league. But I, I, I see there's a lot of great big men now. You can right. see college, you see an in international environment that I have spent the last few years participating in. And I'm seeing uh, a return of the big men. Mm. Obviously, different in the sense that they're most skilled. They're shooting threes. They're facing the, the basket. Yeah. They're facing the basket. And all that is fine yeah. because I think what you what you see with LeBron and what you see with AD is that when push comes to shove, they have the ability to go in and rebound and block shots. Yeah. The things that your team need – if you have the if you have the height and you can teach the other stuff, then that's a blessing. So I, I'm not saying he has to come back the way that we play in the past, mm. but I think that big men are understanding that there is a role for them to play, but they have to kind of evolve the skills to fit the roles. Mm. Now, I, a lot of I feel like a lot of older uh, the big the retired big men uh-huh. say that they don't like the big men facing up and shooting threes, all right. that handling the ball. How do you feel about it? If you could do it effectively, absolutely. The Joker, I think, has kind of yeah. crystallized that. You know, he is not the fastest, but he has a brilliant shot. He has a sense of where he's at. You know, um, I, I think it's like uh, we it's evolution, right? The game is always about evolution. Now, if we draft another Shaquille O'Neal and he gets in the paint and dunk the ball 20 right. times, the league would adjust, right? The right. team adjust to him because he's moving the, the, the league and forcing them to adjust. So the league has always been about responsive to what they think can get them victory. So it's, it's, not, it's not unusual that we're going to constantly see changes in the league and that as big men evolve and as other players evolve, you're going to see that they come with different kind of skills, passing mm-hmm. skills, the ability to step away and shoot a threes. I, 
shoot a three. My thing is, is that really having that balance, right? Exactly. Knowing when it's okay to do that when you're shooting 30% from the three versus you can make 60% by making a, a, a layup. Right. My thing always is take the layup and when the three is available, take it. Don't be Thank shy, but don't make it. Don't try to be what Steph Curry is as a big man. <laughs> right. so take what you got if you right. haven't shoot it, but know that your bread and butter is on the block. <laughs> so would you be shooting more? Th- if you came up in this era, you uh-huh. think you'd be shooting more threes or you think that's just just never, not really your speed? You would have just stuck to you know, defense, <laughs> protecting the rim? Right. So I don't know how to tell you this, but I shot a three once when I was in in the NBA. And I think PJ put me on the bench for 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) PJ, uh, he he didn't like that. Right. (laughs) So I'm guessing uh, it didn't go in. It didn't go in. It might have. It might have hit the board or something. But but it was a start, right? Right. Exactly. Uh, but he benched me. I think for like uh, for my entire rookie year. No, I, I, I joke. But I did get pulled from the game. Right. But my point was when I played with uh, Don Nelson, and we believe I shot threes all the time in practice. Never got it to the game, but it was different. You could see the game has been changing, and it's also the philosophy, uh, you know, of of the coach as well. Mm. You talked about playing for different coaches. Uh, I saw another piece you had written about what the next step is as a player when your coach is fired. Right. Is that something like, do you feel like a front office like owes the team an explanation like, or owes them like a, like, how do you think that should be happening? The coaches getting terminated. How right. do you think it should be handled as a player? So one of the things that every player will tell you in the NBA is that like we're used to having to, people say no to us in terms of not making a team or not being good enough or being the 11. But telling us the truth and telling us the, 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 the lay of the land is never a bad thing, right? Because right. players have uh, been dealing with this. I've had, I think, in my 10 years of Golden State, I think I had like seven or eight coaches. Wow. was a coach every year. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, so it's not something like we haven't dealt with it. So I think that part of what the responsibility of a team is, is to understand how destabilizing that is, especially in the middle of a season. So one of the things you have to do, you got to bring the players in and say, here is why we were thinking this is what we want to do. Here's how we move forward, because that. That kind of future outlook is so important to get guys refocusing on the task at hand. Because when you do something as disruptive as removing a coach during the course of the season, in a way you're signaling it's over, it's done. But yet you have season tickets wants to come and watch a game that is that is entertaining. And if you're not focused, you're doing a disservice to the people who pay to come and watch us play. So you you owe it to reset the organization, not just the players, the entire organization. You need to reset it and get them thinking about the direction you want to go in and try to get buy into that direction because you're not always building just for the year. You're building for the next year and the year after that. Right. Yeah. You mentioned like sticking with your teammates, uh, like after something like that happens. Who were, I guess, when you were a young player, who were some of the veterans that kind of took you under, yeah. under their wing? I was so lucky. I had some really great guys on my team. I had Mookie Blaylock. I had mm-hmm. Muggsy Bogues. I have um, mm-hmm. Felton Spencer, Terry mm-hmm. Cummins. You know, Dwayne Farrell. 
Um, you know, so I had so many amazing guys when I first got in the league uh, that really helped me to understand our business. And I can't really understate or overstate how important that is, right, to have those veteran guys that can show you the ropes, you know, help you to not make some of the silly mistakes uh, that they did. So I think that that having those guys is very important. Not only do they help you explain the culture of the team and what the norms are, but they help you try to figure out how to move forward and how to better yourself within the system right so when you were when you took the step from from young guy into vet who were some of your young guys who were you who were you looking out for you know so i uh, wanted the, the, the awesome i was laughing just the other day because like one of the things when i came in the, i became the the player uh, a, a player representative uh, mm. for, for the union and you know, in many ways, I, I'm always uh, I was doing my uh, my finishing up my college degree my first year in the league. Mm. So you know, I'm always coming in with a bunch of books and, uh, you know, I'm giving guys books. I'm reading books and handing it off to guys. So I've always kind of had that reputation that, you know, and those plane trips, you know, you could play some video games, watch right. movies, but it's important to spend some time you know, doing a quick in or reading a book uh, or learning a new skill. So I, I've been one of the people who's always encouraging our guys to do something different, to do something they haven't done before. So I, I've done that throughout my career and, and every team I've been on. Gotcha. So I think we've got a couple questions here. Uh, Bridget's going to help us out with our questions. Our first, well, first from uh, Keith Claus, former hey! player. My man, the Donald for you. <laughs> Keith is, man, that's my boy, man. You know, in the days when big men were big men. No. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time. Once upon a time. <laughs> Let's see. Jared says, I talked about it a little earlier. What do you think the Warriors should do with that That. First I think that's really going to be interesting. So I, you know, I, I'm not in the room to really hear like how a coach surveys the landscape of the West and what they think the most essential needs of the teams uh, is going to be. And so I think that that is being, uh, while that discussion is taking place, it's hard to kind of say, well, you know, I think they want, they need a big man because they might say, well, we need a big man, but maybe we need a more established big man because our horizon is not five years. Our horizon is we want to win next right, year. Right now, yeah. Right. So those kind of calculations uh, will determine to a great extent how they pick in the draft, what they do with that pick, how long they're willing to commit to that pick and develop that pick. So I think those are some of the questions. Once you start getting answers you know, for that, you can better be able to predict how they see the landscape moving in uh, to the next season. Mm. Good question from from Jared. See our next question, we have from Edris twenty three. Said, can you ask Donald if he's surprised that he is still the all time Warriors block leader, even still ahead of Draymond? Are you surprised? I'm a beast. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let him, hey, let him know. Let him know. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, don't don't oh, let him forget. Let him know. You know, I, I think that part of the great things of in the in the old days of being with a team for a very long time is mm. that not only do you get to know the community and really get to know the fans, is that you also have a chance to do great stuff when you're with a team for 10 years. So, you know, I'm fortunate. I was fortunate to to be in a team that really liked what I did and encouraged me to do it, uh, to do it every single day. But Draymond is an incredible uh, defender. You know, I, I'm really good at blocking shots. <laughs> So look, do you want him or somebody else to come close to it, or you wanna you wanna stay number one? 
Oh no, I want to stay number one. Oh, I mean, I, that's I, the good. I, that's the correct answer. I'm not gonna trip anybody. Yeah. Uh, put any voodoo curse in them, but <laughs> run out on the court uh, if Draymond's getting close. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna call him up and say mean things to him. No, I, mean, <laughs> I let my friends do that. No, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> Our next question. I've got one from Spencer Prescott. Spencer says, "What is one element of the game?" that isn't utilized that would thrive in today's game? Oh man, that's a, that's a really, really great question. Um, you know, for me is that the game is, um, uh, I think change. What, what, what is an element? Um, I will say that uh, from, you know, from the old days, like to me, it's like uh, Dennis Rodman and a lot of guys really brought defense as an essential virtue um, whether you were a great, incredible um, offensive player like uh, Michael Jordan, right? Mm -hmm. It was this expectation that you have to play defense, right? right. And, and, and to me, I, I feel in a way that the game is so much more predicated than just really shooting. And, and, really become, uh, and really later on in the game, you see defense be taking precedence. So I used to love the game. You know, when it was a low-scoring game, I know from an audience perspective, from a television perspective, not as fun, but from an old, like, you know, purist player who is never yeah. going to change and stuck in his ways. I just love when uh, a great player say, okay, I'm going to score 20 points, but I'm going to make sure that you don't score your 20. I'm going to try to hold you to 15. I think that that kind of one-on-one, -on -one, you know, taking it personal, I, that was, a, I think, a really important part of the game. Like, I mean, I used to laugh, you know, you used to hear Gary Payton down, I mean, they're chopping 100 miles and I got you, you can't get, you know. Right. I miss that. I, I yeah. think that there is definitely some, some value and pride that was taken in defense that is not as uh, is not a thing as much anymore. Mm. I think we've got one last question here. This is from the Tom Penny uh, and talking about like the offensive big man he says, do you think cat Carl Anthony towns can be the best player for a legit championship team? <laughs> Carl Anthony towns to me is, um, is a terrific player. Upside is unbelievable. I think that, he has the basic ingredients to be an exceptional um, basketball player, and he can do a lot of things in the flow. I mean, I think interestingly um, to me is he has to somehow believe that a little bit more. Um, sometimes you see from game to games where he, he comes into a game and he will dominate that game, right. but it's not as consistent. So for me, you know, what I'll be looking at as a coach in that team is how do you, how are you able to teach him, how to make that behavior be repeatable every game. So every game we should expect, you know, 20 points, right? It's like you should find a way to do that, whether it's getting right. fouls more. Like consistency. Yeah. yeah. That, so to me, is, is, is that consistency is the next step. I, I love his game. I, I, mm -hmm. I think that as a, as a big man makes me feel excited about the future and, and, and what we can see from that position. And he's one of the people that I think has everything uh, to do it. Uh, the question now, I think, is more from the shoulder up rather than mm -hmm. from the shoulder down. Right. Yeah. And one last question. We ask all our legends before we get out of here. We're making a playlist. What's something you're listening to right now? It can be something old, something new. What yeah. are you? <laughs> just give us a couple songs. What, what, what's on I'm your playlist? Really, I'm one of those people. I'm very, very eclectic with my music, as okay. my friends tell you. It's okay. like, so whatever it is, if there's a playlist, Bob Marley must be on it. it okay. It's got to 
Murphy. You got to have Jimmy Cliff in it. Uh, Marshall yeah. Mano. So that's the Caribbean piece. But I'm the kind of dude that I want Pavarotti. You okay. know, <laughs> I want it's Jesse Norman. Classical, yeah. You know, so I I love music. Sarah uh, Vaughan, you can never go wrong. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm I'm old school with my music, and you know, you definitely got to have a little bit of Tupac in there, no matter what you have. So that definitely. that's kind of me. I'm I'm all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, good. We got a, a good range of stuff to add to our playlist. <laughs> All right, Adonis, we won't take any more of your time. Thank you so much for joining us today, man. Uh, thank you for having me, brother. Of course. I'd like to remind everybody that we'll have new episodes here uh, every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Central. You can catch us on the at NBA Alumni Twitter page, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Like to remind our viewers that you can watch replays of any episodes at legendsofbasketball.com slash legends live. Again, legendsofbasketball.com slash legends live. You can catch the audio replay to our conversations on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by searching for Legends Studio. And we will catch you next week.